Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. In the New Living Translation, it says this today. Really simple. We're going to read it twice because it's so simple and so good. Guard your heart above all else. For it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Let's pray. Father, we, we know that the steps of good people are ordered by the Lord. We know that you brought us here, whether here physically or here digitally, to this point in time. There's some people, Lord, that are still without power, and they're not going to see this until Tuesday or next week or next year. Whatever it is, however and whenever, we believe you ordered our steps to be at this place at this moment in time to hear this word. And it's not for everybody else. It's not for the person sitting beside us. It's for me today. So, Lord, I pray that you help us to open our hearts in all the craziness and the chaos that has been this year and this week in particular with the storms and everything else, God. I pray that you help us to focus our attention that our spiritual ears would be open, our spiritual eyes would be open, and we would hear exactly what it is that you brought us here to say to us today and give us the courage to put it into practice. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, when you go to the doctor um, for a checkup, what are they going to do first? They're going to check your blood pressure. They're going to check your weight, but nobody wants to talk about that, so we're going to skip that part, all right? They're going to check your blood pressure. They're going to check your pulse, your heart rate. They're going to check your cholesterol, your triglycerides, all those scary numbers. Is that right? If you're having chest pains, what are they going to do? They're going to check your rhythm with an EKG. They're going to check your enzymes. They're going to check all kinds of stuff. You can go in with a headache. You can go in with a backache or any number of other issues, but if there's something going on with your heart before they worry about any of that other stuff, they're going to do all of the heart check stuff. Why? Because your uh, heart is the center of your existence. It's the center of your existence. I am not a medical doctor. I've never even played one on TV, but this is what I know. If your heart ain't beating, you're dead. Anybody feel the weight of that revelation today? When your heart quits beating, you're dead. If your heart is not healthy, then it's impossible for any other part or system of your body to also be healthy. Your heart is the center of your physiological, biological existence. And guess what? It's also the center of your spiritual health. You have a spiritual heart and your spiritual heart is just as vital to your spiritual life as your physical heart is to your physical life. King Solomon said it in that passage. 
Guard your heart above all else. Above all else? Why is is it so important? Because your heart determines the course of your life. And he's not talking about this four-chambered organ right here in the center of your chest. He's talking about your spiritual heart. Everything in your life is determined by and begun in your heart. The only way to wind up in a healthy place in your life is to have a healthy heart. So John, what's a, what's a spiritual heart? Like, what, is, what does that even mean? Your spiritual heart is your inner man. It's your soul. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? And that makes sense, right? When you understand that, it makes sense in the context of having a healthy life because if you want to understand the course of somebody's life, then you have to talk about what they think and the decisions they make and how they feel. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's your heart. And the Bible says above all else, we have to take care of, we have to guard our hearts. All right? So I want to show it to you, not just in the Old Testament and Proverbs, but in the New Testament from the mouth of Jesus himself in Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. I want you to read this with me. You've heard this before. I don't know if, if, we, if we stop. I, I have not, had not before now, stopped to understand it in this context. Let's look at what Jesus said. Verse 43, chapter 6 of Luke. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit, right? Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes. Grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. That's really hard to say. I don't know why. A good person, verse 45, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say, we've quoted this a thousand times, what you say flows from what's in your heart. The King James says the overflow of the, uh, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever you got in abundance on the inside is going to come out to the outside. Do you know people in your life that are just not in a good place? Do y'all know people? Anybody? Anybody? Now, do you know people who just, they're not in a good place. Like, they, they, the things they say, the things they do, they just shouldn't be doing and saying those things. And, and what do we say about those people in those situations a lot of times? We'll say, well, if I had been through what they've been through, I might act like that too. Y'all ever said that about somebody? Or y'all just judge and jury, don't even care. Yeah. Nailed it. All right, well. So what that means is when we say things like that, it means that we understand the premise of what Jesus is saying here. That you can't separate what happens on the outside of a person from what's happening on the inside of a person. That what happens on the outside isn't just related to what's on the inside. It causes what's on the outside. Okay, so what happens on the outside, I think I said that backwards, but what happens on the outside is not just related to what's on the inside. It's caused by what's on the inside. The fruit of your life has its origin on what's going on inside of you. Now, as I was studying this passage, it, it always concerned me a little because it talks about good and evil. And that seems a very black and white, very clear-cut kind of issue and a very spiritual kind of issue. 
And I, I looked at the original meanings of the word, especially for evil, and what I discovered is that it doesn't always just mean morally depraved. It also means ill or diseased. So if you read it with that in mind, what Jesus is saying is a healthy person from a healthy heart produces healthy fruit, but a sick person from a sick heart produces sick fruit, right? Or a wounded person from a wounded heart produces wounded fruit. You see what I'm saying, right? That, that your heart determines what happens in your life. If it's a healthy heart, it's going to produce healthy fruit. But if your heart is sick, or listen, wounded, bitter, angry, numb, fearful, and you can fill in the blank with just about any evidence of something that's going on in your life. If your heart is sick, that's the kind of fruit you're going to produce. You're going to produce angry fruit and bitter fruit and, and, and uh, all, wounded fruit, all of that stuff. And if that's happening in your life, if you're looking in the mirror of your life and you see that fruit popping out all around you, listen to me, don't waste your time trying to fix the fruit. Don't waste your time. Don't bother with anger management. Don't bother just trying to be nicer. Have you ever just woke up and said, today... I'm just going to be nice to people. I'm going to be nice to people. And how long does it take? Like 10.30 and you're, um, it's already blown. Don't bother doing, don't try, don't bother trying to make friends. Don't bother trying to change jobs. Don't bother trying to change spouses. Don't bother trying to change churches. Don't bother trying to change anything else in your life until you fix the root you're going to keep producing the fruit. You don't have an outside problem. You have an inside problem. That's what Jesus said. So what do you do? You guard your heart. You guard your heart above all things. You guard your heart. Now, let me, let me fill you in a little bit on the context of, of this, and, and I hope this makes some sense. It doesn't feel like it just comes out of the blue for you. About 14 months, we, uh, 14 months ago, we did a series called Heart Attacks. And, and if you didn't, we weren't here, you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and watch it um, because it's important. It's important. Maybe the most important series that, I, that I've ever done, not just for you, but for me. So we, we started talking about and learning about this heart stuff, how important our hearts are. And we discovered that one of the major ways that the enemy keeps the church um, disoriented, keeps us ineffective, keeps us sort of spinning our wheels, is by attacking our hearts, by wounding us in our minds, in, the, in our will, and in our emotions. Because when you get hurt, it changes how you think, it changes what you feel, and it changes what you do in incredibly negative ways. So a lot of people in that moment, about a year ago, began this journey of healing. They started, they started wanting to get help. They started wanting to get better. And as your pastor, uh, and I pray for you. I actually like you. Uh, not just love you, I actually like you. And I'm concerned about you. And I've just been sensing 
that we need to revisit this truth. Not because we don't know it, but because we, it gets lost sometimes. And so I just, I want to check on you. I just want to know how you're doing. I want to know if you're still pursuing healing or if it just got too difficult and you just quit. Or if 2020 happened and it just, it just took a back seat to all the other crises that are going on. I just want to encourage you today to keep going on your journey to healing. I've also been concerned about the holidays coming up. And so really, my, technically, my, my message today is titled, Guard Your Heart for the Holidays, because this, it's really been on my, on my mind and on my heart. Uh, many times, the people who have caused the biggest wounds in your heart are members of your own family. Way more than 50%. We talked about uh, sexual abuse a, a couple of weeks ago um, Way more than 50% of the predators, the people who perpetrate these crimes against these victims, way more than 50% are members of their family or their, or their circle of friends, uh, so-called friends. So it just, I don't know when it happened for me, but it just occurred to me that many, some of you, maybe many of you, are going to go to your family gatherings and right on the other side of the turkey and dressing right on the other side of your ham and green bean casserole is your abuser. And it grieves me because I, don't, I can't imagine how difficult and how painful that is for people. And it's not, it's not just your abuser in the context that we shared a couple of weeks ago. Maybe it was physical abuse. Maybe it was emotional abuse or, or verbal abuse. Maybe for some of you, it's not your abuser sitting there. It's your criticizer. Like that person that no matter what you do, it's never enough or never good enough. Maybe it's your antagonizer who, who shows up apparently to start trouble every year. Y'all got family members or y'all just eat by yourself on holidays? Right? So y'all understand what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe it's your naysayer that no matter what you've got planned, they're going to tell you why it's not going to work. Maybe, maybe it's your ain't negative Nancy. Maybe it's your uncle doubting Thomas. Maybe it's your fault finder. Whatever. Fill in the blank. Y'all know what I'm talking about. People who have caused wounds in your soul, and many times they did it because they're wounded and didn't know it. They're not necessarily doing it intentionally, but hurt people hurt people. So that's what's just happening. And so I think a lot of times we're just, we're going into those situations and we don't understand how dangerous it is. And the more I think about it and the more I pray for y'all, I really believe the Lord is saying, guard your hearts. Take care of the thing that's most important. He said above all things. Do you know how many things there are? In this word, and he said, above all things, guard your heart. It's important. Don't neglect it anymore. Don't set it aside. For some people, it's a matter of life and death. There will be more people attempt and unfortunately be successful at suicide in the next four months than at any other period of time through the year. Why? Because our hearts get attacked at the holidays and we just stumble into it or stumble through it completely oblivious to the schemes of the enemy. 
even though he does it to us every stinking year, we still don't get it. And so, so this year, I'm just saying not this year. Not this year. I'm not a repeat after me kind of preacher. I know there's a punch your neighbor kind of preacher and a repeat after me kind of preacher, but I don't want you to punch your neighbor because that might hurt too, but I, I, I want you to repeat after me, not this year. Will you say that? Not this year. We are not going to go stumbling into the holidays and not understand that the enemy is waiting on us if we're not careful. God is calling our attention to it so we can be ready, so that we can guard our hearts. And I say our and we because I'm in the same boat with you. And so I want to I talk about three ways that by definition of the word guard, Three ways that we can guard our hearts, especially going into the holidays. Um, and, and, and if you will forgive me, I'm going to use some personal examples today um, so that you have permission to be human. I'm hoping that if you know your pastor's human, then you don't feel so bad also being human. I got problems just like y'all got. So I'm going to tell about mine in public so you can handle yours in private. How about that? Is that a deal? Yes. All right. So first of all, guard your heart by preparing your heart. Prepare your heart. Have you ever uh, heard of or been the recipient of a sucker punch? Do you know what a sucker punch is? Please don't demonstrate that with the people in front of you. A sucker punch is when somebody hits you like you didn't even know the fight had started. (laughs) And you done been punched six times. You, it just comes out of the clear blue sky. You didn't know it was coming. And they just hit you. And sometimes the fight's over before you knew you were in a fight because they hit you so hard and so fast. Part of the power of the impact of the holidays on our hearts is that we don't see it coming. We just don't expect it. Everybody talks about how wonderful the holidays is, are. Are and you're just you're you're expecting you you think it's supposed to be great you think it's supposed to be uh, a, a Hallmark movie you think you know you're expecting a wonderful life and it turns out to be a nightmare on Christmas or on your street right it, it's it's not always just the abuse it's not always the criticism that makes the holidays hard sometimes it's the it's the expectations that are unmet for some people it's the financial stress. That, um, that makes you feel like you're not a good provider or that you're not enough. For some people, it's the added stress on the calendar, all the events, all the gatherings. Do you ever get, you ever, like, you, you go into a, a thing, a Christmas thing, a Thanksgiving thing, and you're like, if I have to go one more place and do one more thing, right? We, we, we got so sick of turkey in my family, we eat uh, chili dogs at Christmas because we're just sick of it. If I see one more turkey, one more turkey has to die for the Butler family, you know? So we just, we just don't do that. And we don't really even know what's in the hot dogs. So anyway, um, you, you just gotta, you, you got this added stress as if life's not stressful enough. You got all this stuff to do. Some of you are grieving the loss of a loved one, maybe recently, maybe not so recently, or the breakup of a family through divorce that changes everything. The holidays are hard. They're hard. And, and they remind you sometimes of things that are gone and can't be regained. I remember the first Christmas after my mom died about five years ago, almost six years ago now. And I was just a mess. Quite honestly, I was just mad. I was mad most of the morning. 
um, a friend had gone out of town for Christmas and asked us to feed his dogs. And I don't mind that. Y'all know I don't mind helping people. But man, I woke up and the thoughts of me having to drive across the county and feed that joker's dogs made me mad. So I went and I did it, but I did it mad. And I fed his dogs mad. And I didn't say Merry Christmas or nothing. I just gave them their food and their water and I went on. It was one of those, it was one of those Georgia Christmases and it was hot and it was humid and I was sweating and I was mad because I was sweating on Christmas feeding somebody else's dogs. I don't even like dogs, right? Everything made me mad. And the closer I got to, I guess we we're at mama's house, the closer, the closer we got to doing, uh, the, the, just, it, was, it was terrible. It just was worse. And, and, and I, it just attacked my heart. The grief attacked my heart. I wasn't ready for it. I was not prepared. I'm just telling you, guard your heart. Be prepared for whatever's coming. I'm not saying wall yourself off. That's not, that's not going to help either. Just don't get blindsided by it. Be ready to deal with it honestly as it comes. Don't deny it, but don't collapse under the weight of it either. Deal with it in its proper time, its proper place. If grief is the, is the, the thing that's hampering you or, or that you know is poised to attack you in the holiday season, we have a grief share group that meets here every couple of weeks on Sundays. And, and I want you to be a part of that because they have their, uh, their own special little program, their own special curriculum that talks about how to deal with the holidays coming up. So prepare your heart for, for the holidays and be ready for what the enemy might throw against you. It's one of the ways you guard your heart. Here's, the, here's another way. I'm, I'm going to say this quick because y'all might get uncomfortable about this one, but sometimes you guard your heart by protecting your heart in the classic sense of guard. Um, if you know your heart is going to be attacked or that it's going to remind you of the previous uh, attacks on your heart, don't go. You groan. Like, make a decision to keep yourself healthy. Guard your heart by going, nope. What are those T-shirts people wear? Not today, Satan. So, sometimes you just have to go, nope, I am not putting myself in that place again. I'm just not. So just don't go. Listen, I know that you know that the Bible says that you have to forgive your abusers, your attackers, your people who wound you. We have to forgive people. And, and, and I understand that. I preach that. I believe that. I practice that. I know that. But nowhere does it say that you have to go to dinner with the person who abused you. Right? Forgiveness is one thing. But becoming a sacrificial lamb is a whole other thing. So if somebody's going to attack you in, in such a way or just their very presence being there is going to affect you in such a way that it affects how you think or the decisions that you make or, or how you feel, then protect yourself and just don't go. Now, I know, how, I, I know what y'all are thinking. I know, what, I know your thoughts at this point. You're thinking you have no idea the earthquake that will happen in my family if I don't show up for this event or for that thing or whatever. I get that. Sometimes it's more trouble not to go than it is to just go and figure out what to do. So if you have to go, I'm saying be ready. Go ready. Have a plan to protect yourself, to guard your heart. Change the subject. If, if somebody brings something up that's going to be painful for you, figure, practice, like go to the mirror and practice how to smile when they start criticizing you or start bringing up all those things. Try, 
Try to go to another part of the house if you can. Do whatever you need to do to guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life and the course of your holidays. So protect your heart. And then here's the last thing and, and, and maybe the most important way to guard your heart, and that's pursue healing. Pursue healing. Because if you enter the holidays healed, then you don't have nearly as much to worry about in guarding your heart. So every heart gets wounded, no matter how tough you think you are, no matter how strong, no matter how good a Christian you are, every heart that's human gets wounded. Some get wounded more than others, but everybody gets hurt at one point or the other. Everybody has been wounded. I was reminded this week as I was actually talking with somebody else about some, some wounds, deep wounds from, from their past, I was reminded um, this week that yesterday was the 22nd anniversary of an event that changed my life, in, uh, and I don't mean in a good way. Um, Halloween of 1998 was when, and it was a Saturday as well, was when my dad told my mom that he was leaving her after 43 years of marriage. Um, and I will spare you all the gory details, but it was an explosion in my life, in my family's life, and quite honestly, we haven't gotten all the pieces back together. Um, a few years after that, I started getting depressed around this season of the year, this time of the year. Had all the classic signs of depression, of reduced energy, just lethargic, didn't care about the things that I used to care about, didn't find pleasure in anything, and, and I, was just, I was just mad. I was just mad like about everything. And it's interesting, you're thinking, John, you're, you're mad a lot. You know, it's interesting that for a lot of men, for, for some women as well, but especially for men, no matter what the root is, it always comes out as anger. So uh, men, you're not just mad. If you're mad at everybody <laughs> for everything, it's, it, you don't have an anger problem, you have a heart problem. You've been wounded, and, and it's important for you to find the root. Anger is, is never the cause. A anger is a secondary emotion. It's the result of something else. There's always a deeper cause. And so I want to encourage you, if anger is an issue for you, quit worrying about the anger and find out what's causing it. Okay? So I had this seasonal depression for a long time, and, and I think it was my sister who pointed out that it was the anniversary of that event in my life. And I knew as soon as she said it in my spirit, that was exactly what it was. And, and, and so I've been honest about this. We've talked about this over the years, but it's been uh, quite a while. So I, I just, I want to try to talk about some of this again. I am an emotional stuffer, an emotion stuffer. I'm an emotion stuffer. Um, I don't do emotion. I never have. I don't know why. Like a lot of people in my family don't do emotion very well either. There's a cause there too. There's a root. We're still trying to figure that out. We really, we want to know who started that. Who started this mess? And we're going to vote them off the, out of the family is what we're going to do. But we're still trying to figure out what all of that's about. But when this explosion happened in, in my life, by and large, I took a great big old emotional shovel. I scooped up all of those pieces uh, the, the shattered pieces of my heart and my life, and I buried it as deep as I could inside myself. And within a couple of years, I, I was on stomach medicine for acid reflux. 
uh, within a couple of more years when I started having these, this seasonal depression. Um, why? Because I didn't guard my heart. I was not pursuing healing. Um, I was just doing what came naturally, and all of us have things that come natural to us that are not good for us. And we have to make a better choice. And so I was just doing what, what I'd always done, and that's just shove everything as far away as I could. And, and as a matter of fact, not only did it feel natural, I was proud of myself because I thought that's what good Christians did. So every religious spirit that had ever haunted my life, ever influenced me at all, convinced me that I was right and that this was the path I needed to take. I want to tell you this today. You have to develop a healthy way to deal with the stresses and the trials and the traumas of your life. They will kill you. That is not metaphorical death. That's for real death. It's not an exaggeration. This is not hyperbole for effect. It is a fact. Spiritual heart attacks lead to physical heart attacks and strokes and high blood pressure and all, all kinds of issues, all kinds of medical issues, psychological, emotional, mental health issues. Guard your heart. Find a way to get the emotional poison out of your life. Because you're either going to heal it or you're going to hide it. You're either going to run towards it and defeat it like David did with Goliath or you're going to run away from it and bury it. The problem with burying it is that it never stays buried. Always comes back. Always, It's like a bad Halloween movie, isn't it? It always comes back. You can't get rid of it. You can't kill the thing. You, you have to defeat it spiritually. Find somebody to talk to. I ain't talking about posting on Facebook. I don't mean like saying, having a hard time, IDK may take a bath. I, I, whatever, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm like, find a human being that is mature, who's been through some stuff and knows how to shut up. Did y'all catch that last piece? right? Like a for real human being that's been through some stuff, ain't ashamed to say they've been through some stuff, but knows how to pray for you and not tell anybody else, not do prayer requests. All right? So find a for real human being and talk to them or even, even a counselor or a therapist. There is nothing unspiritual about seeing a professional counsel, uh, counselor. Can I, here's the late breaking news. I do. I go see a therapist. So there's nothing wrong with getting the help that you need to get through the attacks on your heart. Yes, you have to admit you're not perfect. And that's a big obstacle. Yes, you have to admit you're in pain. All humans have pain. All humans get hurt. Stop thinking that it makes you different. If anything, the one unifying factor that affects every human being equally is pain. So it doesn't make you different. It makes you human. And that's why we needed Jesus in the first place. That's why he told us to guard our hearts. So you have to find a way to relieve stress in a positive way. A, po a positive way. Find a hobby. Hobbies are supposed to be that way to relieve stress. I, I have no hobbies 
because I was never taught to, um, to hob. I, I, I don't hob. I don't know how to hob. Nobody in my family hobs. Um, my daddy worked like three jobs. I, we, he did not have time to hob. I, I just don't, I don't know. I see other people hobbing. It looks, it looks great. Um, I just don't know how to do that. But I know that hobbies are good pressure valves for people if they use it right, if they use it intentionally to relieve some of the stress and the hurt that builds up inside. Hobbies are good if you use them intentionally and in their rightful place. If you don't use them intentionally and correctly, sometimes what develops is an addiction or an obsession. And that's not helpful either. All, that's just an attempt to mask the pain, hide the pain, hide the shame, hide the guilt so that you don't have to deal with it. That's the opposite of what that's supposed to be doing. You, you have to pursue healing if you're going to guard your heart. So I think it was about seven years ago, I don't know, um, about seven years ago or so that we figured out this connection to that seasonal depression. And, um, and, and Valerie being the, my biggest cheerleader and the tail kicker of the family, when you need it, she sent me to a quiet place. She pointed. Men, have you ever seen your wife point with that look on her face? So you just go do what she's telling you to do. She, she gave me my laptop. She gave me a glass of water. <laughs> and she pointed. And she said, you go in there and you close that door and you don't come out until you've dealt with this. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I went in there and I closed the door in a quiet place of our house. Nobody else was here. Valerie was on the back porch. I don't have any idea where the kids were. But I went in there and I started to deal with it. And I opened my laptop and I, and I went back to that day and I typed a letter to my dad. The letter that I never intended to mail, that I never, uh, never intended to in the first place. And I just said all the things that I probably should have said to somebody years before and I put it all in that thing and I closed the lid it was just designed for me to release the stuff that I had bottled up for years for some of you the person that has wounded you the deepest is dead I don't mean to be rude but that's just the fact you can't go and confront you can't go and have that hard conversation maybe you need to write a letter or for some of you, it may just be too dangerous to confront. It may be too emotionally or even physically dangerous to confront. You have to get it out. Okay? So do what you have to do to get it out. A lot of people never receive healing for their souls. They receive forgiveness for their sins, salvation for their souls, but never healing for their souls. And the problem with that is that Jesus came to provide both. In Luke 4, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. Oh, that whole, those two verses, 18 and 19 in Luke chapter 4, lays out his mission statement. And he said, not, not only did he come to provide salvation, but he came to set free those who've been oppressed. And oppressed means the people who have been crushed by the tragedies and the trials and the, and the traumas of their lives. But people come to Jesus and they want the salvation. They don't receive the healing. Why? Two primary reasons, I think, and really both are lies from the pit of hell. And I want to expose them for you this morning. One is this lie that I don't deserve it. 
I don't deserve it. It's interesting that people think they deserve to be saved. They don't deserve to be healed by the same person who provided both. It's incredible to me the amount of pain and uh, trauma that's inflicted upon people by other people through no fault of their own, and yet somehow the enemy works in our own minds to convince us that it's our fault. The shame, the guilt, the condemnation that victims of abuse or criticism or bad situations or whatever it was, the, 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 the shame and the guilt and all of that stuff that you carry on a daily basis is staggering to me even after almost 30 years of ministry and seeing it happen in so many just probably thousands of people at this point. And, and when I preached that message a few weeks ago that it's not your fault about sexual abuse, it amazes me how difficult it is for people to receive that, to understand it, to accept it for themselves. And I'm not saying that to be critical of you. My heart is breaking for you. And not just about the, that issue, but it, it's about grief. It's about unresolved stress. It's about trauma. It's about the wounds of church hurt. It's about the weight of the holidays that are coming. There's, I mean, there's a thousand things that wound the souls of human beings. I want you to know today that you deserve to be healed. You deserve to be healed. As a matter of fact, Jesus needs you to be healed because your hurts, your wounds, your scars are weighing you down so that you can't be effective in the kingdom of God. Besides all of that, he just, it's like Robbie preached last week. What are you worth? You're worth everything. You're worth Calvary. It's not about what you do and even your effectiveness in the kingdom. He wants you to be whole because he loves you. His blood makes you worthy. It's not about you. His blood makes you worthy. So receive his healing. Dare to have hope again. You can be free from the weight of condemnation that doesn't even belong to you in the first place. He can heal you of those soul wounds. But you need to begin to guard your heart today by pursuing healing. Here's the second lie. Not only is it, uh, do, do I not deserve it, is one of those lies. The second one, and this is the one that almost kept me off of this path to healing, it's too painful. It's too painful. I, I don't know how many people I've talked to about things that have happened in their lives, and you say, why don't you deal with that? And they say, it just hurts too bad. I don't even want to go there. Don't even want to talk about it. It's just too painful. And this one is powerful. It's a powerful lie, as all powerful lies are, because they contain, it contains a seed of truth. Because in order to heal correctly, you are going to have to reopen the wound that you've spent most of your life trying to uh, close and hide. But, the, but the, the, here's the reality. It's the difference between acute pain and chronic pain. I saw somebody before church, and I told him I was going to use this example. Somebody uh, here today just had shoulder surgery, and it hurts. Rotator cuff. Anybody had rotator cuff? Anybody want to moan with rotator cuff surgery? Yeah, it hurts. The surgery hurts. So a lot of people don't do it. Hey, why, why, why don't you get your shoulder fixed? Because the surgery hurts. Well, don't it hurt now? Like, aren't you already in pain? And aren't you likely to continue to be in pain until you actually get the thing fixed? So there's a difference in acute pain and chronic pain. If you've been shot in the back with an arrow, first of all, if that's happened to you, please come see me after church because i got to hear that story. 
Secondly, I think you can understand, if you've been shot in the back with the arrow, the obvious thing to do is to take it out. But so many people have been shot with the fiery, poisonous darts of the enemy from Ephesians 6, but they've gotten accustomed to just walking around with the pain and the discomfort of those arrows. Listen to me today. Pull the arrow out. Pull it out. John, it's going to hurt. Yes, it's going to hurt, but it's going to hurt one more time. That thing is killing you. It's killing you by leaving it in there. Will the process hurt? Yes, but it's acute pain. It'll soon be over and you'll be able to heal the correct way from the inside out. But the chronic pain that you've been dealing with, right, that that you're dealing with now and have been and are planning to continue to is debilitating to you. So take the brave, intentional step of pursuing healing. When I finished that letter that Valerie made me write, um, I was exhausted. I was just a limp dish rag, but it was a peaceful exhaustion. It was temporarily painful, but I knew when I was done that I had received peace and healing in that area of my life, in that situation. Um, That's not the only thing that has hurt me. That's maybe not even the greatest pain that I've experienced in my life. This just happens to be the only one I'm willing to tell you about right now. Everybody hear me? We all experience pain more than once in our lives. But this is what helped to start me on an awareness of how important these heart attacks are and how important it is to get on this journey of healing, one that I'm still walking today. Pursue healing. And my question for you today is, will you join me? Will you join me on this journey to healing? We are headed into the holidays. John, holidays don't bother me. Well, cool. Something in your life will at some point. And the word of the Lord is still true. Guard your heart. And here's the thing. Sometimes you think, so, you know, my dad passed away in in the spring and some of these issues sort of resurfaced. And I thought, I've already dealt with all this mess. What's all this about? Well, pain happens in layers, right? It affects you in different places in your soul. And so don't be surprised if you have to get healed in layers as well. If you have to do it over and over again as more As more layers of your pain gets revealed, you need more layers of healing. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has a a layer of healing for every layer of pain. He is the healer, right? He's he's the great physician. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and our counselor. So please don't keep believing the lies of the enemy. There's healing for your soul. So guard your heart for the holidays and every other day. And I want to I, I, I tie this back to our worship set. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. You don't have to keep walking around with that same pain. If you've got chains, it doesn't have to be alcohol. It doesn't have to be drugs. There are chains of hurt, There are chains of abuse. 
There are chains of trauma. There are chains of all kinds of things that have happened in your life. I, I, I feel led to mention church hurt again. Chains of church hurt. He's a chain breaker. Not just those people's chains. Your chains. But here's the key. You have to be willing to admit that you have an issue. You have to be humble enough to receive healing. It takes humility to get healed. Most people think it takes faith. It takes a huge dose of humility to even believe that God can heal you. Even believe that God needs to heal you. So here's what I, here's what I want us to do. Normally I'm going to ask, ask you to stand and pray a prayer and all that kind of thing. I really feel checked in my spirit. I just want you to sit down. I just want you to stay seated for a few minutes. And, and, and I'm not planning to hold you here forever. I just, um, I just don't want you to run for the exits because I believe the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart. We had incredible, powerful um, time in the first service. Um, and I want you to have that opportunity to hear what the Lord's saying. Because listen, I know what it's like to just stay so busy that you don't, that you can, it's easy to ignore the still small voice that's in, your, that's, that's in the back of your spirit telling you to slow down and heal. So for the next, just, just a few minutes, I just want you to take the time to listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And please, 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 please be humble enough to admit that you might have some pain. At least consider the possibility that there's something in your life that God wants to heal. And then be humble enough to ask him for it. Because he will. He will. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask them to sing. Just so, just so we can hear what he says. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. And I thank you that you love us enough to uh, share it with us today. Lord, it breaks my heart to think of the pain that people have been through in their lives. The things that, they have, uh, that they've endured at the hands of other people. And, and many times through no fault of their own. And I pray, God, that you would help us to be, um, to be man enough and woman enough to admit that. And, Lord, that we would be courageous enough to receive your healing, humble enough to admit the problem, courageous enough to receive the healing. And, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, in these next few moments, as we just try to be still and quiet before you, that you would speak to us and that we would hear what you're saying and that we would begin the road to healing or get back on it. That we'd have the strength to endure the pain one more time as you heal it, as you seal it, and leave the scar to remind us of your goodness, a scar that doesn't hurt when we touch it. Lord, would you just move among your people today? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. 
At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.